Welcome to Letting the Light In, a connected conversation for a disunited nation. I'm Jo Parks and I will moderate this State of the Nation panel conversation with voices from Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales and England, the countries which People Dancing serves. Thanks to Louise Catarega for initiating and holding the space for the discussion and to People Dancing for hosting us. Before I introduce you uh, to the panel to the, for this discussion, I want to put it in a context. The title of our discussion references the Leonard Cohen song Anthem of 1992. You'll be glad to know I'm not going to sing it to you, but I do want to read it to you. Ring the bells that still can ring, forget your perfect offering. There's a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. I love this song. And I love it because it reminds us that nothing is perfect. And indeed the place where there is a fault, a break, is a place of potential. It is a place where space is made and it can be a positive and productive space. Cracks, breaks, fractures, ruptures, the last few years have been full of them in the UK and on the European mainland, and we can anticipate that the next years will also bring more. In this discussion, we will look for the shards of light which these cracks have allowed into our practice and seek ways to intensify them for the future. This is a discussion about hope as an action, something which we do rather than something which we have. We will seek for ways to work in solidarity at moments of rupture, and we will look for the light. For those of you who are listening to this session without visuals, we are a group of eight people, and I think we're situated in six different locations. I'm a middle-aged white woman with short, dark, curly hair. I'm Jo Parks. I'm a dance artist in the field of participatory and community dance. I've been doing this for over two decades. And I've recently moved back from Germany to the UK to write and lead a new MA at London Contemporary Dance School, which is called MA Dance Participation Communities Activism. Tonight, the panelists, each living and working in a different country in the UK, will talk about the specifics of the state of the field of community and participatory dance where they are in their location as we navigate among other things, Brexit, the pandemic, a cost of living crisis, war in Europe and the climate emergency. It's a big task, but we're gonna collectively try and do it together. Some of the questions we've been asking ourselves as we prepared for this discussion are, what are the challenges facing community participatory dance in each location? What light do our panelists see? What's going well or what's emerging from the ruptures which give a direction for the future? What is specific to each location? And on the other hand, what unites us? Where can we seek solidarity? Are the things from our experience of the pandemic which we want to cherish and promote? What role is Brexit or the cost of living crisis or the war in Ukraine playing in our work? And what role can community dance play in supporting individuals and communities to navigate these challenging times. Community dance always happens in the hyperlocal, in the encounters between this body and this body, this individual and that group of people. It's always situated 
also in a local, national, international, and global context. And this impacts upon the work. We're going to try and address these big picture questions by referring to our own work and our own practice. And to take on this huge task with me, I am happy to welcome our panel. And I'm gonna take a moment to introduce each of them. It would be great if we can see all of them at this moment. So from Wales, we have Diane Hebb, Director of Arts Engagement at the Arts Council of Wales, and Catherine Young, Artistic Director for Downs Bob. I've probably mangled it, Catherine, sorry, the Community Dance Organization for North Wales. Diane, in her role as Director of Arts Engagement at Arts Council of Wales, uh, develops, manages and implements strategies and programmes that lead to more people creating, enjoying and taking part in arts in Wales. She completed her dance degree and then moved to Wales to join uh, a dance education company and she took up the post of dance animateur and joint coordinator with the Rhonda Community Arts. She's been working for the Arts Council of Wales since 1992 as the dance officer and then during her career, she's had many different roles working for inclusion and participation. Welcome, Diane. Catherine, you graduated with a BA honorary uh, honours in contemporary dance from De Montfort University in Leicester. And Catherine has been working as a community dance artist and choreographer for the past 16 years. She is artistic director and CEO for uh, Downs of Bob the Community Dance Organisation for Northwest Wales. And the priority of this organisation is to offer high quality Welsh or bilingual dance provision. From Scotland, playing, playing for Scotland, Tony Mills, Artistic Director of Dance Space Scotland, Scotland's National Centre for Dance. Tony has been Artistic Director of Dance Space in Edinburgh since September 2021. I read in the Scotsman a quote, Tony, where you described this as like being given the keys to a Ferrari. Tony Mills moved to Orkney from Ghana at the age of six. And after he initially pursued a career in veterinary medicine, he discovered his love of dance in part through classes at Dance Base and has been working as a professional dance artist in Scotland for almost 20 years. Prior to taking over at Dance Base, Tony was Artistic Director of Room to Manoeuvre, R2M, and he's a keen ambassador for the breakdance scene in Scotland. Welcome. So in Team Northern Ireland, <laughs> I am happy to introduce three people. So we have Mags Byrne, who is Artist Director of Do Dance, and she's joined by Rebecca and Rory, who are part of the Do Dance Steering Group. Mags has been working professionally in dance for over 35 years. I think we must be a, a collective, so 120 years of experience by now. So Mags has been working for 35 years. She's performed and toured with many contemporary dance companies and choreographed and mounted projects for groups and companies all over Britain and Ireland, as well as in many countries around the world. Do Dance is based in Belfast in Northern Ireland. The company brings individuals and communities together to seek creative solutions to artistic challenges, triggering a process that demands and develops sophisticated social interaction and encourages personal growth. We're incredibly happy today to have two members of the steering group, which meets quarterly to advise the company on its programs of work. I think you've cut our average age by at least a half. 
They represent the young people in ongoing projects. They feedback their thoughts and suggestions, as well as suggesting ways forward and projects students might consider in the future. We have with us Rebecca, age 21, who was part of the alternative energies intergenerational work that Udance has been doing since 2014 and is now at the University of Ulster. And we have Rory, who's 15 and part of the Belfast Boys Project. Rory's at school and is about to do GCSEs. Finally, playing for England. We have Zoe Golding, MBE, former and uh, founder and artistic director of Zoe Logic Dance Theatre. Zoe Logic Dance Theatre is nationally acclaimed for challenging the perceptions of dance, where and who dance is for, with the specialism of increasing men in dance. Zoe Logic is based in the Southampton area, and Zoe, who was honoured with an MBE only last year, congratulations, was the lead artist of Critical Mass. This is the 2022 Commonwealth Games opening ceremony, and she has over 20 years of experience of working in dance. So I guess that gets us to a collective 170 years, something like this. <laughs> So we're excited to um, have all of this experience, to bring it together and to have this discussion and to kick start it. I've asked each of the, the organisations and the people contributing tonight to briefly talk about how they experience the state of the field in their location. And the two framing questions that we have are one, what's going well in community participatory dance in your country, your location, according to your experience. And of course you all speak from different perspectives and with different experiences. What light do you see? And on the other side, what are the challenges facing community dance in your experience? Please remember to start by describing yourself briefly for those audience members who are not working with visuals. And we're going to start with Tony. Well, uh, hello, everybody. Um, I would say good morning because I am calling you from Australia, where it's uh, 4.23 at the moment. Uh, so my name is Tony Mills, and I'm the Artistic Director of uh, Dance Base. I am also a middle-aged, uh, mixed-race uh, person, man, uh, male-identifying. Uh, I have a stubble because I haven't been shaving for a little while. Uh, I wear some black kind of thick rim glasses. I've got some big black noise-cancelling headphones on uh, so I can hear you all very well. And um, I've got a bald head because, unfortunately, back in the day, I used to have a big afro, but age has gotten the better of me. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, as, as was introduced earlier, I've recently taken on the mantle of artistic director, uh, at dance base, which has been both wonderful and, um, daunting at the same time, a roller coaster ride, definitely like driving a Ferrari, but I haven't even got my driving license yet. So it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit hairy. Um, <clears throat> I think from my experience now in a position in an organizational role before I moved into the into the role I was working as a dance artist and choreographer and coming into my role in organizationally in terms of participatory participatory dance practice community projects etc for what I can see in Scotland I think some of the things that have been going well is that I actually see some really excellent performance work involving community participants led by professional artists working within these areas um uh, I've seen some great um, 
thought-provoking, challenging work that stands equally alongside work made by with professional artists. And sometimes maybe this is something we'll talk about during this uh, session about certain stigma perhaps attached to participatory arts and how people see themselves as uh, how they see people, people see different levels of validity. And my point of view, I'm seeing really strong work coming through. Um, I'm seeing artists and organizations looking at teaching practices uh, when it comes to working maybe in inclusive areas as well in dance, uh, developing those methods, approaches, um, and uh, creating much more opportunities, projects like the Dance Well um, project with uh, EDN members, which is about working with uh, artists who wanted to work more with um, uh, within the area of dance with Parkinson's which is a huge project, I think. I've not dived into it myself, but it's a really huge project. And seeing these kind of things coming through is very exciting. Um, I see much more uh, work around intergenerational uh, work and also work with uh, older participants, both um, in a community settings, but also in, in, in professional, which I think is very exciting. And I think people are generally becoming more vocal. Um, one of my things uh when uh we spend spend a lot of time working with artists and supporting their careers um and the barriers that they face to developing their practice and sometimes one of the biggest things is coming up and asking for help or asking you as an organization how are you supporting me as an artist and gratefully and thankfully i'm feeling i've seen more artists kind of like approaching us and be more vocal and demanding you know uh help assistance support etc both within professional and community settings which i think is great you know because you know i think uh, we want to develop uh me personally part of my thing is to develop uh, the agency that artists have you know, to move more effectively through uh, uh, the world and their the careers. Of course, uh, you know, where there are highs, there are also a few lows, you know. And I think um, particularly perhaps in Scotland, which, you know, I think uh, if I'm right, is about a population of about five and a half kind of million people, so five roughly like that. So not a huge amount of people, exactly, but spread out over quite a large area and a lot of the, the population densely packed within the sort of Glasgow, Edinburgh, Central Belt. So even though it's not too big, it's not too small either. So being connected um, within the country can sometimes be challenging. And certainly after the back of COVID, where, you know, a lot of these connections and relationships, you know, were lost and, and people were locked down and so on and so forth. I think we we lacking the networks and support, uh, certainly within the community dance kind of um, uh, uh, area. And it's something that we've actually tried to address, which again, probably we'll, we'll talk about a little bit uh, during this chat. Um, but yeah, less, uh, I think there's less networks, less support, and that's kind of been lost both both um, from an organizational point of view in terms of our relationships within this, uh, within locally, like within Edinburgh and with the people we used to work with, but also nationally uh, between artists, between organizations. Um, I think common issues probably exist there now are perhaps misunderstandings and when uh, organizations, and again, I, I, I talk about it from an organizational point of view, when we're going in and, uh, and even that term, going in you know with the organization or when we're connecting with artists who are working within these areas and, and sort of learning to align with our values and the way people work um for example just taking enough time to find out what people actually need you know before we actually deliver a project or when we're working with somebody um i think uh 
yeah, sometimes the, the the time taken to really understand where people are coming from doesn't always happen. And going back to perhaps uh, the lack of networks, I think people aren't there anymore. Like people have moved on. You know, folk who used to work in certain positions after the back of COVID, even right now, cost of living crisis and funding cuts, et cetera, people are moving on. People are moving on from organizations, people, are artists, uh, you know, maybe they're finding their next career in tech. I hope not. Stay in dance. It, it is it is worth it. Um, but people are generally moving on and therefore they're taking that knowledge with them. They're taking the relationships with them and you have to, um, uh, and you're losing traction, you're losing momentum, you're losing uh, the, the ability to develop and fulfill projects, I think. Um, and then maybe one last one I'll finish on is, uh, and perhaps this is more specific for, folk working with building-based organizations. Um, one of the biggest things uh, I felt about um, dance space is this uh, idea of like who gets to be in the building, you know, and uh, the perception of it externally. Uh, well, I think over the years, dance space has done a great job about, you know, um, flying the flag that dance is for everybody. But the reality is it's actually an intimidating space to be in. You know, it's a wonderful building, but actually you've got to walk up through a kind of pen, you've got to climb up the stairs, you've got to you're you're greeted by very friendly, very professional staff in our reception desk. But it's it's people come into the building with different baggage, different experiences, different history, uh, which is a lot of work actually for myself, some of the team to kind of like to figure out and find our way through and negotiate through that, like how to make a, someone's experience really a positive one. But ultimately, there's this inequity between that that kind of exists within this kind of sector of like, you know, between the, the organization, the artists. And I think was, we all know there's been a lot of work done uh, around that to sort of, you know, equalize that. But that inequity kind of still exists. And that inequity leads to the permission, the sense of permission that you need to be to be in the building. So I think something that um, if we talk about how can people take ownership have you know the degree of having less permission so you have ownership and more freedom to kind of um be in that space make it work for you because from my point of view of course as dance space we'll do projects outside of uh, the building we'll do work around edinburgh but our main asset and our wonderful asset is that building and we want people to be able to use that building for it to be a place of possibility both for professionals for public for community participants etc so to dissolve the sense of permission uh, that kind of exists is, I think, a real challenge and something that we're working on. Well, I am and the rest of my team is working on quite a bit in dance space. And I will finish there. Brilliant. Wow. Thank you for kicking us off with, I think, uh, a lot of topics that the others uh, here in the discussion will also have things to contribute to. So thank you. And thank you for holding time so well. Uh, we're going to send it across now to Northern Ireland and Mags, you're going to kick off there for us. Oh, I don't hear you, Mags. Sorry, I just have Sorry. to unmute myself. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I'm Mags Byrne and as Joe said, I am the Artistic Director of Do Dance NI here in Belfast. I am a white woman in my early 60s with longish curly brown hair, which today is in two plaits. And I'm wearing glasses and I'm wearing a polar neck jumper because it's cold here. Uh, with me, two members of our youth steering group, as you know, Rebecca, who's 21 and at university studying biomedical science. Um, Rebecca's got a white shirt on, she's longish hair, and in the background, she's got a lovely um, Kermit 
stuffed Kermit frog that's sitting on a pillar, nice and relaxed. Um, and Rory, who is 15 and he's at school doing GCSEs. Um, and Rory remembered to wear a doodance t-shirt, which neither myself nor Rebecca did, but uh, both are from Northern Ireland. So uh, reflecting um, a little bit on what Ro on Tony, what Tony had said so far. I mean, I think, um, I imagine uh, what unites us uh, and what we have in common with other panelists today is our passion for our practice and an unswerving understanding of the power of the art form that we work through. Maybe what divides us uh, in our participatory community dance field is, is possibly the different levels of resources available to us and the different working contexts. Um, I think it's important for me to start by giving a context for community dance work here in Northern Ireland. And firstly, um, you know, we're a post-conflict society, as most people know, nearly uh, after nearly 30 years of what's called the Troubles. Uh, but in many ways, we are a recovering society and conflict is never really very far from the surface. There are some key differences here um, that I think are crucial to understand because they impact on arts practice and how people uh, operate. Um, if you want to work with children here, uh, you need to understand that our schools are divided on a class and ability level, uh, i.e. we still have the 11 plus, which is called the transfer test here and grammar school system, um, which pretty much means that if your parents can pay for grinds, you've got a good chance of getting to a grammar school, um, or at least you've got a chance of getting to a grammar school. And if your parents can't pay for the grinds that go before, um, then almost no chance um, of uh, succeeding uh, in that test. Uh, but also our schools are divided on religious grounds. Uh, Catholics and Protestants are educated separately in systems that are called the maintained and the control system. Um, we we do have some integrated schools, uh, uh, but they only serve you know just over seven percent of the population, so it's small. Um, we also have geographic and physical features that create psychological divides. Uh, we have a contentious border between the north and south of the island of Ireland, which meanders. You've probably heard about it because of Brexit meanders for over 300 miles around towns and villages and across fields and mountains and dividing people's back gardens almost. Um, Belfast alone has over 97 separate peace walls. They're akin to what, uh, you know, used to be the Berlin Wall, um, what that used to look like, uh, and to the walls in Palestine or, or in Mexico. They're barriers and they're designed to keep communities apart. Most of the barriers have a gate somewhere in them, and the gate opens at um, sunrise and closes at sunset. Um, so, you know, we're in the middle of the winter here now, so, so the sunset is quite, uh, is in the afternoon. And if you miss the closing of a gate, then you may have two or three miles to walk around it to get home. Um, this, I mean, obviously it creates psychological divides, you know, people being a bit wary of each other and a bit feared uh, and not wanting to work or to be together, a sense of them over there um, that are different from us. Um, and it's kind of a, an other ink, you know. Um, what follows um, is that language, the language a person uses is imbued with heightened meaning because the vast majority of the population are white and speak with a Northern Irish accent, which I don't, but most do, um, we have to find other ways of identifying whether you're okay or you're not. 
you know, what side of the community do you belong to? Um, and as we say here, what leg do you kick with? Um, your name, the school you went to, the place you live, um, the terms you use for areas and places, they all dictate your religion and what's therefore, you know, what side you're on here. Now, for a dancer like myself, whose remit and passion is to bring people together, this context, you know, it provides an amazing opportunity and endless work. Many artists, though, come to Northern Ireland to work, but very, very, very few remain. Being here as an artist, you risk isolation, both geographic and contextual. You know, resources are low uh, and financial support is minimum. Um, uh, money's diverted to, to, to other priorities. Um, you know, three days ago here, we uh, we had, uh, well, the Shared Island report was released. Um, and that shows the government investment in the arts per capita, per head of the population in 2021-2022. So in the Republic of Ireland, the South of Ireland, that showed as 20, £28.52 per head was spent on the arts. In England, it showed that it was £12.16. In Wales, it was £10, apparently £10.41. Not sure about Scotland, but I think Scotland was about £17 or £18 per head. In Northern Ireland, that spend is £5.38. It's a considerable drop. Um, that amount, uh, 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 you know, in the total budget, that amounts to about, you know, 14.85 million, apparently, to be spent on the arts, which might sound a huge shock because it's lots of millions, but in comparison to our neighbours um, on all sides, it's of the budget uh, in Northern Ireland, 2.3% was spent on dance. It was lower than any other art form. Um, there are 109 companies here that uh, um, are annually, across all, all the art forms, that are annually funded by the Arts Council here in Northern Ireland. And four are dance companies. So that's four dance companies that are deserving of 2.3% of the money spent on the arts. The total annual budget for dance, uh, dance itself is less than 298,000. Um, this is the context in which we and the, our other dance uh, uh, colleagues working. Um, and then, and then there was the pandemic and Brexit. And, uh, Brexit. Well, at the pandemic, what we learned. Like everybody else, we learned how to teach dance on a two-dimensional screen, which was a bit of a novelty for the first six months, but quickly lost its sheen. We ran a full programme of work, trying to keep young people connected and engaged. And as soon as we could, we really got back to in-person work. So much of what we do is about bringing people together. And it's really hard to get an exchange of energy on a screen. Um, I'm happy to talk more about the work that we do, but maybe it's good for me to stop at this point and to let the members of our steering group talk a little more about their experiences. Thank you, Mags. Yeah, I also uh, I also saw this report and the comparison of the funding. Um, Rebecca, maybe I'll come to you now. Rebecca, I have a very specific question for you. Can you talk to us a little bit about what impact COVID has had on you and your community? Yep, um, I think COVID's biggest impact um, was that it removed any sense of community from our lives. 
And for many of us, when lockdown hit, we lost the things that created that community and connection, whether it be at work, school or social clubs. And for me, the one that had the largest impact was dance. Um, being from a small town um, in the north coast of Northern Ireland, the dance community is already so small. And so almost all of my dance community was lost. And for me, dance has always been the place I can go to relax and forget about life for a while. But during one of the most difficult times of certainly many of our lives, I no longer had that crutch. And while Zoom classes started happening as we began to adjust, it still just wasn't quite the same. Um, and that feeling of when the call would end and you were sitting in a room by yourself was just so isolating. And I'm sure many of us experienced it. Um, and not being able to experience that energy transfer, as Max was saying, from those around you really took the joy of dance for me. And being someone who really thrives off other people's energy, I really struggled and my mental health plummeted. And even now, I still find myself recovering from that. Um, but on the other hand, um, I now find myself really appreciating being able to be around people more. Um, and it's also trained me to think outside the box and adapt to the situation that's thrown at you. And I think that can be seen throughout my community as well, as work from home and online approaches have been incorporated. And certainly it encourages accessibility for many people that used to be overlooked, which I think is fantastic. Um, so while the pandemic itself was incredibly isolating and discouraging and it's had long lasting effects, there definitely has been some positive takeaways that allow us to enjoy life a little bit more. And Rebecca, can I ask you a quick follow-up question? In the, as you got back to live work after the pandemic, I know Tony, Tony was talking a little bit about these kind of networks that have kind of drifted, that some people haven't, some people aren't in the same roles, but also I've noticed a lot in the field of community dance that there are participant groups that just didn't really find their way back to each other. Has this impacted on the work that you do? Yeah, like I find when um, with alternative energies, when we came back in person, we lost so many members. They maybe came to one or two sessions and just didn't return. And um, but we actually found a lot of newer, younger members coming in, which was also great um, to kind of get to work with new people and encourage new people into community dance. Um, and so it was encouraging, I suppose, to see new people coming into that as well. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for giving us an insight in, into how things were for you. And I think what you say resonates very strongly with all of us. I think particularly how articulate you are about this, this moment after reaching out digitally about being left alone and this sense of isolation, which I think is really a pretty universal experience that we all carry with us. We've, I think it's such an extraordinary thing for so many people to have a similar experience. And that this has an ongoing effect, I think. Thank you. Rory, I'm going to shift to you. And I wanted to ask you specifically, what role dance has played in supporting you through these last years? Yeah, so, um, I mean, it really, the main part of what it did was it, like, through COVID, when there weren't very many other people, um, the dance like we uh, we set up zoom sessions um and then when they um when the restrictions eased um we were able to do uh like outdoor sessions in a um like a big sort of marquee sort of thing um and that was really just helpful to have that community through not having anyone um it really was a good support network through covid 
Um, and now, obviously, being back in person, it's and in a studio, um, it's far better. Um, back to be create like creating with um my group of it's an all male group. Um, and so it's really been good to be able to like sort of express ourselves in a way that guys aren't really encouraged to, as I suppose Zoe um would be quite aware of. Um, and yeah, so it's it's really been influential in um like providing a support network and helping me like express myself and us as a group um, and just as well have fun perform, obviously. So, yeah. That's great. Isn't it? And I think, think that is really the strength of community dance, right? That it opens spaces where people can bring the things that they want to communicate about and get into contact with each other. So I'm really glad to hear that that worked for you. And of course, Mag's beautifully impressed to hear about all of those solutions that you found, uh, shifting online, outside spaces, till finally coming back to the studios. And I know that this is a, an ongoing challenge as, as we all rebuild practices that were disrupted. So it's lovely to hear about that work. I, I think everybody, uh, everybody probably experienced the same thing in COVID in that, uh, that, uh, you know, slight panic at the beginning and slight, uh, you know, kind of uh, um, almost grieving for the things that had that you had to let go. Um, uh, and then that, uh, you know, just desperate trudgery of trying to find ways to be creative on a two-dimensional screen I mean there's really only a certain number of ways that you can come out off the screen and how can you come back on the screen it's like oh my god and that you know but uh I mean, we, were, we, we did a lot more than that obviously but uh yeah it's well I could I tell you we couldn't we were absolutely delighted when we were able to get back outdoors but in person delighted I think what's really interesting, though, that as we look also for the kind of light in those cracks that I've heard now in both presentations is also that this shift of form made perhaps space for people who wouldn't also normally get involved too. I know that, you know, that that for some people moving on their own at home reduces a barrier that they might have about entering a building or coming in a dance class because there's a kind of safety at being at home and I have seen that kind of happen so um yeah I'm also interested in this new group of people who come to join you Rebecca Poe you know post post this moment thank you for giving us uh that that perspective from Northern Ireland which is really I think very full of specifics mags which are important for us to know as we look at this kind of collective that we responsibility that we feel for building a community together okay I'm gonna throw the ball across to I've lost my running order who's next Zoe you're next I think hello um so to introduce myself I am a middle-aged white woman with long brown hair which I washed especially for today did a bit of straightening that was lovely um I'm sat in my office down in Southampton which is right on the south coast of the of the UK um and behind me I have a very happy plant that we've been nurturing as a team in the office to bring back to life a nice green leafed plant that is uh, accompanying me this evening um Gosh, they are big questions, aren't they? And just listening to you all, I've got my notes and now all of a sudden my brain's like gone in loads of different directions. So I'm just going to come back to my notes a little bit about how um, my working world as a practitioner uh, is so vast. So the pendulum swings from 
um, working in a community, uh, living actually in the community that we're working with for social impact with individuals and families right on their doorsteps to a youth company, to um, a city in Southampton that just bid for City of Culture and been part of that for three years to um, having an amazing opportunity to be the artistic lead for Critical Mass, which was a huge participatory um, youth company of 15 groups that came together from across the West Midlands to represent inclusive dance practice in the Commonwealth Games, which every time I say that just sounds so huge. And it was, and it was amazing. So I'm um, bringing my experience from all, all of these different places um, and the light that I've seen in the last couple of years for me is, I think, because of the city of culture and my involvement in uh, critical mass, there's a there's a stronger understanding between culture, health, commerce, tourism, especially where I'm at at the moment. Everybody is getting around the table, even though Southampton wasn't actually successful. Um, and big props to Bradford too. Uh, we um, th those conversations are continuing, and I think that's really really interesting now. I'm talking and meeting and being asked to contribute in spaces that I may never have as a dance artist before. So that's really seeing the benefit there. Um, and I think that's powered by various things, our funding institution, the Let's Create um, directive from, from Arts Council is really about the value of participation and the value of voice and empowerment local. So that's a shift. My practice has always been about that. I do professional works and community, but there's been no hierarchy for me. Everything is on a, on a, on a level. So that kind of shift, I think, has cracked open that door to really get others understanding it or maybe um, pushed others in the sector to have to think about it in a different kind of way. Um, so that's been an interesting sort of navigation the last couple of years about how we're now approached instead of us approaching others a bit more, which is really great. Um, which leads me to the word of co-creation. It's in my DNA. I can't help it. Um, I, uh, obviously for years, 20 years, I didn't know what it was, but I, started the male youth dance company uh, Fuzzy Logic and I'd just get in a room and we'd make and I'd listen and we'd make some more and I'd throw some tasks out um, and now 20 years later I realise you know co-creation and its power um, I think there is uh, the quality of this now is starting to improve because there's resource it's being talked about and resources being made um, for it in a way if you're championing it um, I'll come on to the flip side, the dark side of that as well in a moment. But um, I think the idea that we're participant, uh, person, centre-led and experience is what's important is of great value, especially to me in, in my work. Um, so that's that's another thing that I think is starting to, to shift even more. Um, and what I'm seeing, I think, across the, the dance sector, in England, uh, there's pockets, obviously. Um, same as what Tony said, like they're so disparate. You, you kind of like you try and catch up with each other and you can't. And the resources, um, as like Mags is saying, just how do you spread these things? How do you spread these budgets? And how do you how do you stay connected and keep up with what's driving the dance sector here? And how do you keep active in your local area is, is quite a tension. Um, but I think that the, the dance sector is grabbing this change in focus and really using it as a chance to say, we've always been here. 
like we're now talking about um, impact on health and well-being, etc. And we've been doing this for ages. This is no new narrative for the dance world. So um, I think it's it's quite exciting that we're able to talk about that. Um, and visibility has increased. Um, when I look at what critical mass was about, that was an that was a global stage, and critical mass put inclusive practice on the map there. Um, and we didn't just do the opening ceremony in Birmingham. We did loads of other huge scale projects and um, dance was at the very centre of that opening ceremony, having worked with the creative team as well. Um, it was the art form that helped tell the story, um, you know, through its movement. So it was used really effectively. Uh, and now I'm on a big mission to keep going mass and keep getting us out. Um, and post COVID, I just remembered all those feelings, Maggie, just reminded me of that, like, wow, we're outdoors, wow, we're together. But uh, we're, I'm finding people want to connect more. They want to come together more. And um, one of the challenges moving into that side is that it's quite a big responsibility when you know you can help a lot of people to feel safe about their environment and, and give it a go. So, yeah, there's kind of like that. People want to do it. And, and we take that on quite seriously as practitioners and artists and community deliverers to go, come on. We're the ones that, that can help, say, give it a go. Um, so that's part of our reconciliation, really, I think. Our, our place in that maybe not as valued as we we might see it or others might see it. Um, which leads into an expectation. I've been thinking a lot, um, especially in our region, uh, dance and education in Southampton or, or the Hampshire area is, is reduced. There was a huge performing arts competition that was national that's kind of gone away. And that was some of the infrastructure that some of the schools would use as their performing arts. They'd use as their conduit. Things like this, uh, youth dance platforms are only just starting to trickle back up. Some have completely gone. Um, so the whole idea of who are the next generations of performers and dancers and makers um, suddenly, suddenly feels like it comes to the dance organizations and the dance companies as obviously they should play a part. But we're really focusing on getting back in education and that's a challenge all around and you've got a power for it. Um, so that's that's a, a little bit of a, a challenge there uh, for the future of the art form effectively because it's got to go around in a circle, right? Um, and I think whilst co-creation is amazing, whilst social impact is amazing, I think there's still a lack of understanding of what it truly takes to do it. Uh, picking up um, again what some of the others said about building confidence to come into the building we, we create the stepping stones and for example we work with a community an inner city community estate here in Southampton and you'd never connect litter picking, litter picking with dance we're coming in at who are you and where are you and the direct way of getting to dance uh, people to engage with dance actually isn't as clear as it is, it's about building trust on other people's terms, not our terms. And um, the funding challenge of decide the project, decide the outputs, decide the things you're going to change. But if we're talking about true co-creation, I can't answer any of those until I've gone and worked with the community. But I need a bit of dosh to go and work with the community. So that cycle is really interesting. I think removing barriers and access that I've, I've understood in critical mass and also now in my own work is you really need to commit to what it means when you remove one barrier another one has the chance to be heard so it's like an onion kind of go 
um and yeah we're 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 on the front line and we we're we're people's lives and we can be support networks and especially in my work for those who may never performed before or danced before um they get that euphoric moment that we all love to see that dance offers where they're like whoa i did it and then at that point you're part of that journey with them so um quite a lot of responsibility that's taken I think in community practice which um yeah because sometimes just sort of get overlooked um and I think that's me thank you Zoe I'm really struck by the parallels between a lots of the things that you're saying I think there's a, a a theme that's emerging that is around the quality of presentations and the visibility and then all of the unseen labor that happens behind that how much of that is fun how much of that is really recognized how articulate we are about what that takes how much of that is funded and we're going to come to Diane soon who's going to speak from a funding perspective so <laughs> this is this is a kind of interesting bridge one new thing that came up there Zoe that I'm also really interested in and it was a I'm at Leeds at a conference at uh Northern School at the moment today people were talking about how dance has disappeared from schools so in the last kind of years under this particular government how the arts have been eroded from schools um and of course with the pandemic um all of those kind of trips out or the projects that came in disappeared and that these are not coming back on online as quickly as maybe we would hope because schools, of course, um, are missing teachers. They've got a lot of illness. They're, they're firefighting on so many different levels. And of course, um, this is also that is really impacting the community dance field and HE and then, of course, how people progress through that. So... Okay, so thank you, uh, Zoe, for trying to speak for the whole of England. <laughs> We're constantly acknowledging the absurdity of the scale of our discussion. Uh, Diane, I think from from Team Wales, we've got two. We've got Diane and we've got Catherine because you want to speak from different perspectives. And Diane, maybe we would invite you to go first. Yeah, thank you very much. So I'm, uh, I'm Diane Herb. I'm Director of Arts Engagement at the Arts Council of Wales. I'm a white woman, also in her early 60s. Um, I've got uh, brown, I still describe it as brown, slightly whitish, greyish hair that is just sitting on my um, on my shoulders. Um, I, I feel a little bit of a, a, a fraud because I'm not a practitioner in this field. I do work um, uh, with a, a, in, a, in a public body, in an arts funding body. Uh, but my background, as Jay said at the beginning, is in dance and in community dance particularly. And throughout my entire career, I have never lost my passion and my commitment and my belief in dance and in community dance particularly and in what it can do for communities and, and individuals. Um, so the questions that, that 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 we were tasked with, I'm obviously looking at it from that kind of um, national perspective and looking at, across Wales. And and Catherine is going to talk very much from her perspective of of being on the ground, and she might reveal things that that I need to hear in her in her presentation as well. Um, but I think one of the things that, that I want to say, we have a long history of community dance in Wales. I think as people know. Uh, or, or may know one of the very, very first community dance um, 
establishments was in Wales um, and we've continued to to build on that and and continue to see that as important an important part of the arts sector and supporting it um over all of those all of all of those years and i think if we look at kind of um strengths um <laughs> it's still here when you think about what we could through and other people have talked about what happened with the pandemic and that suddenly, you know, as, as as I think it's Mags who said, this is a practice that is about coming together. It's about being in space and place, and it's about sharing and communicating. Um, and all of that was suddenly taken away from community dance. Yet it has survived. And it has survived because of the commitment and the passion and the belief of all of those people who work in 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 the sector to make something happen and not lose it and it was really it was a huge risk when the pandemic started but it is still there and it has come out and a lot of the things that were strengths um about community dance in wales i think have gained um through that experience as well and other people have talked about those strengths you know there are people particular strengths in, in Wales or in community dance around the whole health and well-being agenda. So again, you know, we're seeing fantastic developments and practice around dance and dementia, dance and Parkinson's, uh, dance and mental health, um, trauma, intergenerational, um, and a lot of, of work that happens through the pandemic, through dance, that was really kind of exploring some of that. Um, I think as well, young people, uh, dancing young people in Wales has been particularly strong and continues to be so. I think, and I'm going to say, sorry, England, but I think we're in a fantastic position in Wales now because we have a whole new curriculum and we have expressive arts as an area of learning that is equal to maths and equal to science and equal to health and well-being and humanities and dances in there and it's one of those areas of learning it's one of those um strands within the expressive arts that every single young people from the minute they get into school will be doing until they leave school so there's real opportunities there and there's real opportunities for community dance practitioners across wales and organizations to be a part of that and they've already been a part of that and i think there's a point of of, of possibility and change and light talking about where is the light i think there's a real kind of there's a crack there for for community dance to enter into and to ensure that we have those practitioners uh, for the future um so i think those are some I, I i mean a lot of what other people have said resonates in, in wales as well in terms of what's working um what the strengths are what's exciting I think to me that the challenges are really interesting and I might be a little bit controversial <laughs> in saying some of the things that I'm, that, that I'm going to say. Um, there's one that's obvious that again um, has already been said um, and it is about raising the profile. I think the profile of community dance and dancing community and engagement has dropped um, and I think we need to raise that and we need to celebrate and we need to talk more about what this is about. 
um, and, and, and the benefits of this work. And we don't do enough of that. And we need to do more of that. Um, and for me, and it's really interesting hearing um, colleagues from other countries talking about community dance and the essence of community dance, what it's all about. And for me, there's something in Wales about rediscovering and reigniting what I believe sits at the heart of community dance. And it's about its creativity. I think it's become very physical. And um, you know, it's, yes, the whole the, the health and well-being side is really, really important. And we know that it makes a huge difference. Um, but it's not just about that, it's about creativity, it's about dance's power as a means of community and individual expression. It's about the voice that can come through in dance that doesn't come through in any other art form. There's something really special and unique about that that sets it apart from other kind of participatory dance experiences as well. And I think we've lost a bit of that in Wales, if I dare say it. Um, community dance that reflects and is relevant to the cultures and to the experiences of our diverse communities in Wales. Um, we, we've heard already about co-design and co-creation, co-production, cultural democracy. So um, I lead uh, at the Arts Council on a, a whole programme of work around widening engagement across all of the art forms. And cultural democracy is at the heart of that. And I think community dance could be at the heart of that because of because of what it is, because of the the expression that comes through dancing, and that is 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 a possibility for so many different people and so many different cultures. And whatever the genre of dance, I think it 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 has something that can really feed and play into that agenda of cultural democracy, co-design, co-production, everything that we've heard about. And I don't, I think we've lost it a little bit in Wales. And I think the challenge for us is to really explore how we get that back. Because I think that's what will really lift the sector in Wales. Um, and I think this is the right time for it. I think when we look at what society is experiencing, what society in Wales, what, what people have experienced through COVID, through everything that is happening now, the cost of living, sharing, finding ways for people to share, to come together, to share and explore those experiences through dance, um, which I personally believe is a really, really powerful medium for that. I think this is a perfect opportunity. And, and we, you know, at hearing from what other people are doing, you know, let's let's unite. Let's not be disunited. Let's let's unite so that we can learn from some of that as well. And I will finish there and hand over to Catherine. Thank you, Diane. Catherine, do you want to pick up that ball and run with it? I yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> I don't quite know how to follow that. That was really powerful. Um, hi, I'm Catherine. I'm artistic director for a community dance organisation called Dumpsy Baub. 
Um, Dancy Bow, translated into English, means dance for all. Um, so it's a, a, a title of a company with a lot of responsibility uh, within that title. Um, to uh, visually describe myself, I'm uh, a, a white female I'm in my middle 40s. Um, I've got, I'm wearing uh, glasses with a black frame. I've got dark hair. Um, trying and not succeeding to fight the white bits that are coming through. Um, my hair's in a high bun, um, my Gareth Bale bun, as my granddad calls it, um, and I'm wearing a purple jumper. Um, so uh, it's been really interesting to hear all these, all these different conversations. Um, so from uh, the perspective I can give, is as a as a community dance artistic director um developing uh community dance practice within within our region in northwest wales and supporting um a, a team of dance development practitioners and freelancers so uh within our community dance sector which is uh possibly quite small in size in wales compared to a lot of other nations uh so we are a sector that works quite closely together. Um, I think we have, I, I think I'm going to get this number wrong, but I think we have about seven community dance organisations within Wales. Uh, it might be, I think there might be a little bit more. Um, and I think what's going well uh, in our sector at the moment, especially in terms of what we've been dealing with, with the challenges over the last few years, is being how I think the sector has stepped up to respond to um to to the different challenges that that, uh, that we've been facing, particularly in terms of the pandemic and of uh, and currently um, uh, effects of the cost of living are coming through as 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 an effect to us at the moment. Um, as we know, with with the pandemic, uh, dance. Was hit quite hard, um, and that's in terms of what are the important elements of the nature of our work, uh, such as that um, ability to come together, to meet together, physical contact, um, everything social that we were not allowed to do. Uh, so the sector and ourselves and Dempsey Baub um, had to work quite quickly to be able to respond. To that, uh, to that event, um, which came at us to us at quite in quite a brutal way, I think, and I think everyone would agree on that. It was fast. It didn't give us time to think. You're dealing with not being in the same space as your team members and with your participants. Um, and I think that when we look back on that, we um, we responded as best we could, but we we did it effectively as well. Um, with us at Dempsey Baub, uh, it did hit us hard. We we lost almost all of our all, all of our dance program, um, and that was uh, particularly because of the nature of our work. Uh, the majority of our program was with uh, uh, the more vulnerable people of our communities, um, such as care homes, people living with dementia in the communities, adults with disabilities. Uh, we had a, we had some groups uh, of children's after school clubs as well. Um, so everything stopped, everything had to stop. 
Um, and within that, our practitioners were all freelancers, so they lost all of their work. So we we responded quite quickly on how we um, how we say how we support them, um, and how we um, uh, retain them as well. Um, but then also, uh, I think that what we've um, what emerged for us out of out of that, I'm going to say it's out of the three years because we are still dealing we're still dealing with it now. Um, is that it gave us the opportunity to 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 rethink um, and about how we can use our time and our resources to best support our communities through through dance. Um, so we used that time to um, develop activity work in partnership with other other organisations um, to to really support those that were dealing with isolation, dealing with anxiety with regards to COVID, dealing with loss, um, and and dealing and also dealing with the uh, process of having to reconnect and come back together which didn't happen organically. It, it wasn't an easy process for a lot of people. Um, and what, so I'm, I'm talking about this so quickly and it didn't happen this quick. It took a very long time and it was a very long process and stressful. It was, it's been very stressful, but what's emerged for this, I think as a sector, but certainly for us at Dempsey Baub, it gave us the opportunity to, to relook really at and consider why why are we here? Why we why we exist as an organization? What is it that we are um what we are what we are offering, I suppose. And the experience that we've had during the time of the pandemic, it's been a lesson learned for us um in how we are shaping ourselves for the future. We um we def we certainly gonna take forward the work that we've developed um do within the past few years um where our focus and our objective is on where dance can truly make a difference to the lives of our communities um and that's certainly in term in the health uh health and well-being context but as diane uh talked brilliantly about it's also in terms of how we as a community dance organization give the opportunity for our communities and individuals within that to through self-expression through creativity to rediscover who they are and their relationships with themselves and others um and to and to bring back that energy and that um community social social based passion that we that we all had and, and kind of lost during lockdown. Um, and in a, in a strange way, I think what COVID, what the pandemic did for us was to give us, was to help us find our feet, I think in a way, um, literally and metaphorically. Um, it's, 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 given, it's given us a lot of lessons learned and it's, it's given us our drive forward as well. We um as 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 a sector, what I'm I'm not quite sure how this happened, but lockdown um brought to the surface a lot of barriers uh which we knew were there, but 
were kind of hidden, I think, in terms of uh, people and groups of people that uh, are not accessing our work for whatever reason. And, we, and we, we've had a lot of difficult conversations during lockdown about the about access and about um uh, about disengagement about where that engagement hasn't worked or is not working or is being ignored and we as a sector have listened to those conversations um i'm not i, I don't think i can say that we've stepped up to respond because i think that that um gives the impression that we've finished that work that we've done it I think stepping up to respond. Uh, there's a long journey in this, but I think that as a sector, there's a lot of interesting work going on regarding uh, how we how we make access more available, how we listen, how we how we engage um, where we are not engaging. Um, so these you know into in, these these are the light, but they are also the challenges. They, they are ongoing challenges that we have to keep talking about and we have to keep facing and we have to keep um, present uh, and not hidden. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to, ah, thank you, Lou. So we're all gonna re-enter the space together. I'm wondering, Toby, if you would turn your camera on too so we can see each other and be in conversation with each other. I'm sure that you have themes that you would like to respond uh, from what you've heard. I'm hearing a lot of residences. I wanna send back two or three of the of the themes that have collected. I think that one is uh, the notion of permission giving permission, listening, being permeable in our work, to be in process and relationship with the communities with whom we're wanting to work and reaching out to. Um, and I'm really interested in this, and I think it's connected to this discussion that you brought, Diane, and I think Zoe raised the word first, co-creation, what we mean by co-creation, what kind of attitude that requires from the artists and organisations working with it, and particularly the kind of resources that it takes to not come in knowing what it is uh, that you as an artist have to bring, but to come in with the question, where do we meet each other? and to work with dance as a way to research and generate knowledge, which then of course can change the context that the dance works inside. So this feels like a really important and big body of work to me that kind of floated up. And um, I'm of course always, actually one of the positive things which I think is beautiful is the strengths of devolution and the possibility for different formats, different funding, different approaches. Uh, as decision making gets made closer and closer to the artists and communities who are affected by it. I think this is a really interesting strength in the model here because I have this outside eye from having come from Germany and things have really shifted in the last 20 years in terms of devolution and I think this has come. There's a question I think around resources um, which there is always, right? <laughs> uh, um, 
how they are distributed, the unfairness of them, which came up when we looked at that, uh, when Mags brought in that comparison between how much is available in, in different countries. This is very striking to me. Um, and how how resources how the lim how this aspiration that I hear of how you want to work meets the resources that are available for this work. Visibility feels really strong. We've heard it a lot. It's there in this conversation. I think Tony said something about the stigma, which we all know, which we think just must surely be gone by now. <laughs> but which really isn't going right now. I know Zoe talked about this, you know, what kind of vision, what kind of stuff, thing, object do we produce that draws the attention, holds the attention, Diane, you're talking about this, you know, how do we, how do we place our art form in its excellence and its quality visibly? What does it take to do that? I know, Zoe, you talked about resource it, the, the way you resource that work. Um, and I think in the background, there's two things. One, Mags, I know for you, the, the process of feeling isolated, a geographical isolation, but of course the impact of Brexit on you I think must be must be burning, and I'm curious that this word came up very little in our conversations, but it's in the background of this kind of shifting con the conflict that you're talking about. Um, and I hear a little with Tony, uh, particularly, but I think with all of you, this relationship between urban centres and then people who are living not in urban centres and how we're managing to reach out to those places. I don't know if any of those kind of five things that I've sketched is something that one of you feels like I have something to say about that. Yeah, Tony, jump in. Uh, well, just maybe uh, quickly about uh, resources. And I'm bringing this up because it's something I was just discussing with my team um, just uh, yesterday, actually. And um, I've been on holiday out here in Australia, like trying to get, you know, because it's all, you know, it's all quite you know, challenging times we're all facing across the art sector and stuff like that. And trying to take some space and, and think a little bit about sort of a new approach. And I think as arts organisations and as independent artists, you know, sometimes this idea, right, somebody mentioned, I don't know who it was, um, uh, about dance disappearing from schools, you know, and I would definitely... I would definitely recognize that, you know, me as an independent artist, I was based out in East Lothian, which is uh, in the Eastern part of Edinburgh. And one of the things I would do is I would go into schools and, and teach and teach classes and stuff like that. Most of the time I had to do it for free because there was no money, you know, the you know, schools didn't have any money and stuff like that, but it was part of my residency and something I was really happy to do. Um, and, um, you know, dance in schools is clearly, or art and culture is clearly an important um you know, a uh, 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 thing to happen so that, you know, art and culture continues to feed into society, you know, like you know, young people encountering art and culture, it's going to be fundamental, you know, for the next 10, 20, 30 years, etc. Uh, about our relationship with art and culture. And I think, but I think though, sometimes as, as arts organisation, we, and maybe it's not uh, everyone, maybe this is something I'm just sort of coming to, is like, you know, we often think we have to do that ourselves. I mean, we have to go out there and like and, and work within the, the 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 resources that we've got to get dance in schools, actually. And really, what if anything that's that's come off the back of COVID and 
current cost of living crisis, things that are happening in Europe, a lot of things are out of our control that are affecting the way people ultimately engage with our our practice, how the number of people, for example, who come into dance space and do a dance class. It's, we can market, we can t- put on a, a really you know, great program. We've got wonderful teachers, a wonderful space, all this kind of stuff. But there's something stopping people coming into the building. Yes, there's permission and all the rest of it, but there's something else. You know, there's the, all the changes that happen in society that are affecting, uh, that are blocking people from engaging with art. Uh, the, you know, the barriers that we talk about, but, you know, things that are not within our, we can't even touch as arts organizations. So it's kind of, a, it's kind of a, uh, occurred to me and to something we're going to try and do over the next few years and stuff like that is um, if you're in a position to do so, uh, which I think dance space is to start to align yourself. And it might sound obvious, but, you know, this pennies just dropped for me, quite frankly, but to align yourself with people who are making, who are trying to make those differences. So, for example, there's someone that we've counted who's in education, Scotland, who wants to put more dance in schools, you know, and that person actually has the power to do it rather than uh, an independent dance company or, a, 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 you know, a dance, you know, a, a, a dance house you know, trying, really pushing to get down to schools, but, you know, uh, but but not failing because you need that, you need that organization whose mission it is to make that difference, who work is working full time on that topic upstream, like they're upstream from where you are in the problem. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and to work and to try to, I don't know what the relationship would be, but I think there's, uh, I think it's just something that's occurred to me. I think there's, it's useful to start thinking about, what are the upstream things that are blocking us upstream and how we can possibly connect with that rather than just, you know, of course, uh, and I think, uh, uh, Joe, you mentioned about community practice being hyper-local, which it is, you know, it's about reaching a hand out to the person next to you and stuff like that. But that person next to you is dealing with stuff that you don't have any control over, you know? So how do we, it's probably a long game, but how do you, how do you tackle that? to release the resources to allow somebody to ultimately engage with what it is that you hope to offer. So that was something that I thought we'd be thinking about recently. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it, Tony, that it's very easy to get kind of busy inside of these encounters that we're in and this perspective of opening up, pulling back, recognizing what kind of systemic and institutional relationships are creating this position that we're engaging in is vital I think and I really like what you say about understanding what's in your control and your responsibility and what's outside of your control and responsibility because I've heard so many of you say the word responsibility uh in in this session and, and really kind of yeah negotiating where the where the systems are where the institutional places are to dock in to make change Diane I saw you kind of nodding and thinking while Tony was talking do you want to make some words out of that <laughs> Yeah, because you're you're absolutely right, and that's exactly what happens in Wales. Um, so um, I mean, we did a a major piece of of work in partnership with Welsh government, looking at the state of the arts and creativity in schools, and it was a year long piece of work. We were asked, our chair was asked to, at, at the time, was asked to chair um, a task force looking at that, and 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 we looked at it in depth. And we talked to artists, we talked to young people, we talked to cheetahs we look we talk to the, edu- the 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 wider kind of education yeah, establishment if you like um 
And around the same time, the review of the curriculum started in Wales. And the two kind of coincided, they came together um, and some really strong recommendations about arts and creativity. And, and as a result of that, we then launched the Creative Lens Through the Arts programme that was initially a five-year programme. It's now in its eighth year. And it's all about creativity and developing creativity in schools. And it's about bringing artists in to do that. But what happened as a result of all of that um, was a partnership that developed between the Education Department and the Arts Council of Wales. And then in developing the new curriculum and the recommendations that came through that said that there must be an er you know six areas of learning and one of those must be the expressive arts because we've got all of this evidence that says how important the expressive arts are. I was then asked to be a part of the, the group of schools who were tasked with developing the expressive arts. So yes, that became my responsibility and I was in that position, exactly what you're saying, to be able to take that on. And in doing so, was able to bring into the conversations over the two years of development of all of this, practitioners from different art forms, including you know people who have a long ex uh, years of experience of community dance, and working with schools in Wales who came and did a big session with the the, 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 the schools who've got that responsibility. Um, so I was able to bring that in. And, and we have what I think is a really exciting area of learning, expressive arts, really exciting for dance. And as I said, it is now there. It's in the curriculum. Every pupil, the minute they start school through to 16, has to do dance. Um, we had an interesting debate around qualifications and qualifications in Wales is currently under review. And I don't know whether this should go out, but but in the initial in the initial consultation that was put out, they weren't going to do a dance PCSE. And we all went, oh my goodness sake, we've done all of this. We've got that every every single young person in Wales will be dancing from four to sixteen or four, you know, four to fourteen, four to sixteen, four to sixteen. And now you're not going to let them do a qualification in dance? That's changed. That has changed. But but what you're saying, Tony, was absolutely right. I was in that position and had that relationship and was very involved in doing that work. But what I was able to bring into that was the experience of all those people who are actually doing it to work alongside teachers because this the whole curriculum in Wales has been designed by practitioners, by teachers and schools, not by some group pulled together who are expert curriculum designers. But as part of the expressive arts and as part of dance, I brought in dance, the dance practitioners to be a part of that. So, you know, just to kind of say, we've, we've done it. I can share, um, you know, more about that. Um, but the important thing, of course, in Wales is we had a Welsh government who really wanted to see it happen, who were really supportive of the arts and really understand the importance of arts-based and creative learning for all young people. And that made the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Catherine, I've got Catherine, then I'll go to Mags. Um, yeah, just to add on to what Diane has said there about the about the, the new curriculum in Wales, I think for us as a dance sector, this has the potential to create a really positive shift um in in the professional dance sector as well where um the expressive arts and dance uh are 
integrated into into learning from a very early age um and taking us away from that uh, the kind of culture I think many of us would have had growing up and decided wanted to go into the dance profession where uh, it's it's um not seen as a a job a proper job to go into um it it's uh, as being integrated within within the educational culture I, th I think it will certainly develop the arts and dance as as something that's, that plays an important role in our society great thank you mags do you want to bring your perspective in Oh, God, there's just so much, basically, that I'm sitting here waiting to scream out. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm, I'm loving Diane's positivity. Oh, uh, really, I'm, I'm holding on to myself. I'm holding on to myself. I, I, I'm loving Diane's positivity, and I'm sucking it up, Diane, that level of positivity. Um, because there's something about when you're in your 60s that you've been around the block a few times. And I've actually been, wor I've worked in dance since the very beginning. So I've been working in dance a very long time. Um, and, you know, I've been around the block here in Northern Ireland and I've witnessed the time when uh, when uh, dance was compulsory in schools here. Um, and uh, what it, it, you know, every school was meant to do it. Uh, because the, the teachers weren't trained to do it, uh, so we got, they, we got a little bit, by and large, of country dancing, um, of which the kids absolutely hated. Um, and then we got a, pockets of good creative work where the teacher had, had an interest in it. And across, it, it was really, I mean, you know, to begin with, it was great. And then it went to being this kind of subject that teachers uh, were frightened of um, and, and therefore Mostly, I have to say, because I worked in every school around the, the education library boards at one stage, and mostly the teachers would say to me, oh, don't tell them that I don't do it. I, just, I say that I do it, but I don't do it because I don't know what to do, you know, um, to the point where the education authorities here took uh, took away. So it's not compulsory any longer, um, because what they said at that stage is that the quality of what's going on is is contrary it's actually having the contrary effect that it should be having um so it's just i mean i hear the the positivity in what diane is saying and i hear the the kind of uh, interest in in tony to get to i mean i'm going to come back to you about tony in a minute if i may but um um it's just it's just that sense of like kind of having it compulsory in the education system is not necessarily the best thing it's possible it's possible for it to be positive, but it's also possible, as it did here, for, for it to swing. Um, then I want to come back, if I may. Can I come back to something? Yeah. I want to come back to, to something what Tony, that Tony was saying, which was about, you know, and, and fully agreeing, is that how do we influence the influencers? That's basically, I mean, because that's, that's the kind of, how do we get on the shirt tails of those who can make a difference if we are sitting in a place that it's difficult to make the difference? And we recently, or just before the last elections, we we, we had a panel um, of, you know, where artists came together in a theatre and there was a panel of politicians in front of us and the politicians, all who were interested in the arts, all said, you know, kind of, you're not visible enough, which is what you, Diane, said about profile. You're not visible enough. Honestly, I was apoplectic with rage because, you know, in, in essence, what I, I, I mean, I stood up and I said at that, you know, 
you know, what's happening to all this evaluation that we do? I mean, I don't know about any other person who works practically in dance, but we are coming down with evaluation forms, you know, and it's just a little bit like what Zoe said. You know, we have to have the results of the work we do before we've even stepped into the room. We have to know what's going to happen and we have to lay it out. Otherwise, we don't get any funding, so we can't do it anyway. So it's like, with all this paperwork, and my feeling is that, that, I kind of almost want to scream for a revolution in the arts because I want to look up and I want to say, excuse me, Diane, for saying, but I want to say, arts councils, what the hell are you doing? You know, come on. Where is the advocacy? Where is the people who can scream and should be screaming for the arts? And I hear, I mean, I, I understand that different people do different things. And, and here in Northern Ireland, we do have arts officers that are, are worth their weight in gold. They're fabulous. And we also have those who are not. But, you know, in, in, in essence, I kind of, there's, there's a bit of me that wants to feel like that, you know, when, when, when I'm told you, you have, where's your profile, you know, you have to raise your profile. I want to scream and say, well, what are you doing? What are you doing with all of the information that we give you, that we have to give you, all of that paperwork that stops us from being involved with our communities? You know, because it takes days to do paperwork. The uh, one last thing, the biggest thing for me, and something that happened in the pandemic, which which was positive. The biggest thing for me is that we lost trust. There was a loss of trust between the art organisation and the funders. Um, and in the pandemic, what happened is that swung back again. And all of a sudden, our, our funders were saying to us, um, you know, don't worry if you haven't done that. Don't, don't worry if it changes. Don't, don't worry if you need to move something around or, or you know, we're flexible. Let it be flexible. And I'm going, wow, Jesus, where was this lack of, where was this trust, you know, for all of the years that we've been struggling? I really, really hope that that remains with us as we go forward, that, that artists can be trusted again and that, that uh, the funders don't think that we're trying to, you know, kind of run away with pennies, basically, you know? That's it. Thank you, Mags. There's something about this kind of position of, of, of people who are in Diane's position who are very connected to the arts, who are also driving policy. This is a really kind of important moving figure between institutions isn't it I know Zoe in our preparation and I don't know if you want to talk to it but you did talk about different models of funding your work you talked about the numbers the amount of resources creative resources you want to put into your work with communities to be able to make work which you feel is quality which speaks as a piece of artistic work and how you fundraise to do that and the strategies that you have do you want to just take a couple of minutes to talk about that yeah um sure I think just to follow on from what Mag said about the how do we get on the coattails <laughs> Something I've been doing here is is been a bit tenacious, I think, in that same sort of way by doing it, keep doing it, shout about it, keep um keep getting it on the agenda. But it is time consuming and it does draw us away from our, our agenda of being with the communities. But um so this sort of leads to that the the business modeling around community and social activation, which has been quite powerful for us. We work with an inner city estate here called Holyrood. Um, my best friend grew up on the estate by proxy, you know, I got to spend time there. It's surrounded by gentrification. 
um, a growing city as it is, this community is feeling lost. Um, and we have had loads of discussions with residents and uh, to emulate what Tony was saying, we've got some amazing venues in the city, but some of those community members saying are not allowed in there. That's their word, I'm not allowed, not even that I don't want to. So there's that real kind of where I belong in culture kind of message coming through. So we took work in um, and it's escalated. Once you commit, you commit. I was really interested as an artist of what happens if I move into a community, which isn't a new new form of um, community work. But for me in dance, I was really interested because dance is, you know, one of the misunderstood, as we know, Um at times so my my aim is to reach people that don't engage with dance so to do that when that is your mission the world of co-creation is really challenging the business model around it is really challenging because it's not a show that has a ticket income it's not it's you're going into a community um of high deprivation however doesn't mean that they don't want to contribute because it's about where they place a value on where their money goes. So that's always a really interesting debate I have about this perception of high deprivation. It's it's if you if you would like to do something where, where you put your own resources, big or small, um, that's not about scale of income. Um, so yeah, the business model that wraps around it, we're really challenged by keeping it going because it's always subsidy and that's slow and there's a tension in speed because these communities, it's fluid as most of, of you know, it's really fast. And you have to react quite instantly. If someone says, I want to do it, you've got to grab it then. Because in 24 hours time, the mind might have been changed um, or a new priority comes into their life, which is absolutely acceptable. So it's very live when it's like that. Um, so the funding journey can, can impact on uh, reach, depth, consistency, quality. Um, so I've been doing a lot of work, similar to Tony, took myself away a bit and just like, well, how do you even tackle something and get outside of it? And it's about how, for me, I'm I'm linking in with the business community. I'm looking at those uh, models of who really wants to make a difference, but not sort of going around loads of business in net, networking brunches and stuff like that. I'm actually going to meet individuals in, in this city I'm in and having a chat and going, look, this is about skills development, careers development. How do we join the two and do you want to put resource skills volunteers or some money in um and that's proven quite successful at the moment in that there is a want by people that do have um the capacity to do so so holy roots become this amazing like diverse model which again isn't isn't um it's not that it doesn't happen in other places, but it's new to us to leave a commercial funds in that way for a community. And the best thing is I don't talk. I take the young people just like, you know, the, the Rebecca and Rory here now, like we can't speak for people, just just put the people in the room. And I love that because it, it feels less about me as an artist and my that whole thing where you go Zoe from Zoe Logic. It's like, actually, no, I'm part of the ecology. I'm not the front and I think that's the beauty of, of art and dance, is that creative where you come in and then you exchange it. And then there you go. So so we've been looking at, um, yeah, how, how we leave a funds in a different way, but also how this community start to raise their own money because they want a festival. They want a dance festival. That's what they want. Oh, I have no idea. I'm going to get there. Well, we're going to get there. So within that, it's theirs. They want to create their identity. So, um 
yeah there's a lot of other places we can go to for funds about skills and skills development and entrepreneurship and money management we were you know linking with a financial organization it's it's crazy i just went in and took a show that was it and and here we are but um i i think it for the for the future of where we're going um we have to keep thinking that way in some ways but not do it alone Thanks, Zoe, for bringing that in. I want to circle back to Rory and Rebecca. And um, I, I imagine that you have things that you want to talk about. So you could bring something, if there's something you're burning that you feel like you want to say, this would be a lovely moment. We'd love to hear your perspective on what you heard. And if you don't, I do have a specific question I would ask you. Rory, you look like you're moving. Ah, Rebecca, yeah, you are. I, I am, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I just want to say that the um both uh Zoe's um project and the Diane's project with the it getting dance into schools just both sound like really impressive and really like great steps um towards like like breaking down the barriers to dance and just making it more accessible um generally. Um so yeah, they just sound they sound really cool um and yeah, I hope something like that happens over here across the water. Um, because yeah, but yeah, that that's all. Yeah. Um, my, just I'm very similar to what Rory said. Um, I'm very passionate about um accessibility within dance, and you know, for so many different things. Um, and it's just great hearing all these ideas and things that are happening to make dance more accessible. And the way Tony was saying about having that space to do that. Um, I think is really important because that's something I really struggle with is finding spaces close to home that I can go and do these things and work on these projects. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I have a I have a question for you, Rebecca Murray, and I have an eye on time. I know we're running out of time, so we make it really brief. But I'm curious about we've talked a lot today about kind of. Um, co-creation giving permission handing over making space uh what makes you feel like you have space what what helps you to feel like you have space and have you had experiences that have helped you meet this moment in time when it's challenging to be a young person um well i mean i to sort of going off of like sort of feeling welcomed and like um in my dance group just specifically I can only really speak from that um it's sort of just been like a lot of very welcoming people like um we've got a really good uh facilitator um working alongside mags um who it just creates a like a warm atmosphere that's very inclusive um and I like it's I'm not alone in this opinion there's we've got I think we used to have up to 10 people and the we've got a younger group that's um got a, like a waiting list um and so it's there's definitely i think it's the it's really the people um involved that uh yeah make it a more a much more welcoming space and we're belfast boys specifically is quite lucky in that we've got um in belfast the crescent arts center which is this just it's a um sort of as um like it's it's just it's a, a really nice building and very 
it's, it just creates a welcoming space and we're we've got a, a good studio and stuff so uh, like as tony was saying it's the building helps as well um and yeah so but i suppose we're quite lucky to have that but that's really definitely made it more welcoming for me personally and i suppose the rest of the group yeah. thank you yeah i agree with Rory, it is completely about welcoming space. I've kind of been a part of a few dance companies and Do Dance has been one I've been with, like Do Dance is who I started dancing with. Um, and Do Dance is very community-based. Um, but I've also been part of companies that are, um, I don't know what the word for it, but it's, you know, it would be more exam and competition-based. And I always felt so out of place at those sort of companies. And so... I enjoyed dancing. I love the dancing part, but I found just the people at them. It was all about how you looked, being perfect, how you danced, all of that. And just having, I think community dance is so fantastic because everyone is welcome, no matter who they are, their abilities. And I think that's just fantastic. And um, now if I'm ever teaching a session, even if it's not in a community dance um, project, I try to bring those values in because I think that's so important. Thank you. Well, Joe, jo, may I just say that, uh, um, I mean, um, not to, not really to add to what Rory or Rebecca said, but, but just to give an opinion on the um, co-creation, because you've mentioned it several times and other people have mentioned it. And um, it feels a little bit like that, it, be, it and it feels like it's become a bit of co-creation versus direction. And that if you go in with the direction that it's somehow that that's not so good and that somehow the best is thing is to go in and co-design. And uh, I just want to say I don't actually agree with that. Um, I think that uh, direction and co-creation are two are tools that can be used separately um, and both have just as much value um, um, depending on how they use both have just as much value as each other um, I, I mean I'm, I'm I hear so much about co-creation and if you don't design in a, in that way that it's perceived to be negative uh, and I think particularly with people who have no experience of the art or are nervous then actually direction in the first instance is 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 really a, a really positive thing to go in with so i just want to say that before before you yeah it's really fabulous that you uh point out that they're not mutually exclusive they're part of the same thing and i think uh i hope that we didn't position them against each other because of course um setting a frame setting a question bringing the skills and the resources that you have of a, as a dance maker there you being there in your expertise is part of co-creation so it wasn't an intention to set them against each other actually I, but I think that what we're talking about is a kind of dance making that respects the experience of everyone in the room and understands everyone as a co-maker in that experience and I think when you say direction, that's built into that when I when I see your work. <laughs> um, but thank you for thank you for for specifying that. And I would wish to have a whole discussion around the nature of co-creation, what we mean with that, uh, how that leads to cultural democracy. I mean, this would be a theme that I think we could really talk about. And I didn't warn you that I was going to do this because it just came to me because we're co-creating. Before we go, if you could wish for 
actually maybe it's not a wish but maybe it's an action because uh, you know a lot what I'm interested in too is how hopefulness is something that you do rather than something that you have and I see you all doing it (laughs) so your action from this conversation for the future of community dance could would be in a sentence yeah Tony go yeah um I will connect the education person with Diane because I think the story that they've talked about is exactly kind of what this person wants to do and I, and I would agree with you Mags it's not about um dance being compulsory but it's just about dance being present you know to be able to, to be accessed in some way great you don't have to of course but if somebody wants to yeah Zoe do you have a hopeful action um I think Diane's our inspiration at the moment. I'm going to find the education person and then introduce them to Diane. I don't think we've got any relationship here with that. So it's just dropped that seed to to do that um, a bit more. Does anybody else want to offer a hopeful action that they'd like to do? I mean, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Rory, go for it. Um. I really liked what Tony was saying about um, sort of making it present whilst not being compulsory. And so I'd quite like to, I mean, not having much power as a 15 year old, but um, I'd quite like to sort of try and like talk to my peers about making it less sort of, um, yeah, making it more of a, like that, that it's available as an opportunity. Um, and more be like being more obvi- vocal about the fact that it is there um, for the using or taking. I can't think of a word yeah. that doesn't sound like overly possessive, but um, yeah, I'd quite like to try anyway. Oh, that gives me hope, Rory. Anyone else? Should I, sorry, should I just come in? Um, I'm say I'm very happy to have those conversations very happy um um I mean, <laughs> there are things that I'd really like to say but I'm in a slightly difficult situation because we're we've just launched our investment review here in Wales <laughs> you might want to cut that bit out <laughs> um but I um when I talked when I talk about raising the profile and visibility um I, and, and I'm talking, I'm saying that as a, as, um, um, somebody who, who works for the funding body for the Arts Council. I'm not saying to the sector, you need to raise the profile and make yourself more visible. Um, dance is, you know, in spite of all the positive that, that I've been saying today uh, in this conversation, dance is still, and I will, I will say this, dance is still a poor relation in Wales. In spite of all the development, in spite of all those years of commitment, it is still the poor relation. Um, and I, I, because of my belief, my passion, uh, because of the widening engagement agenda as well, um, I'm absolutely committed to continuing to to really work to 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 grow um, community dance and and participatory dance in Wales as part of that agenda. Because of everything I said at the beginning because I absolutely passionately believe in the power of dance to to transform uh, people's lives. 
Thank you, Diane. Catherine, I think you had one. Mags has got a hand up. Let's go to Catherine first. Um, I, I think that uh, certainly with us at Downsibau, uh, a lot of our focus has been on dance as a means of health and well-being over, over the past few years. And while I absolutely want to keep that as a focus of our programme, I think what I also want to bring in as a form of balance within that is uh, bringing back that opportunity for um individuals groups and communities to come together to use their movement vocabulary self-expression and creativity to really tackle these challenges head on um we a lot of challenges that come our way can divide our communities and our societies and i think that um bringing that back into our program as a, as a focus is certainly an action i want to take forward thank you mags you had one yeah, mine was that, um, I mean, I know Diane from old, from absolutely donkey's years ago, and we haven't spoken or met for donkey's years. So I, my one of my actions are two. One, one action will be that um, um, to make sure that I get a cup of tea with Diane at some stage out and suck in some positivity and actually, uh, uh, and some learning, uh, you know, an exchange of that would be would be gorgeous. So that would be one, one thing. I'm coming your way, Diane, for that one. Um, and the other thing, I suppose, is networking, um, you know, and I, you know, trying to, you know, if, if you're if you're able to send um, emails of people, uh, uh, um, Joe, then of just keeping in touch a little bit and just, uh, you know, of what's going on, how can, I mean, it is about how can we help each other? How can we support each other? And it may be that I can't support, you know, somebody else on, on, on this panel, but it may be that I know somebody who can, uh, or that's, you know, and I think um, as, you know, I mean, I, I, I went to Pains to talk about the context in Northern Ireland and, um, uh, uh, you know, how isolating it potentially can be and how difficult it is when, you know, when you're not from here to understand the nuances that are so important here with one sentence with one word you can isolate half of your community mm. um, so you know I think this but there is something about networking that um, you know can we help each other is the you know is this is the learning and what 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 Tony was was looking at is like what's the learning how can we learn how is there something we can pick up from each other and I think there's a there's there's, there's possibly you know just even keeping in touch it would be the beginning of that mm. Absolutely. I was actually just like going to say a very similar thing to Mags um, of networking because I mean I'm very new into the kind of community dance um, community I suppose um, um, even just within Northern Ireland but I think even having the opportunity to do this and um, meeting all of you who are on here it gives me a start to be able to I guess I suppose open up into that network Beautiful. Welcome. Tony, you, you raised your hand briefly. Uh, yeah, no, it was something I was thinking about. The very fact that there's, well, gosh, whether you like Brexit or not, here we are, right? And um, I think it's important, uh, the three things important that the four, the four nations, you know, uh, are working together across culture, across different cultural sectors, touring, community dance, professional development, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, crucial. You know, and it's like I was talking about, I think, at the very beginning about how, um, you know, 
individually, individual artists who feel like they've lost the network. I think the one thing that's come out of COVID, certainly between organizations, is better partnership working, simply because resources need to be shared. Uh, I think that you've got to think about that on an individual and organization and a kind of country level, you know, and try to have that have that approach. Thank you. I know you want to finish, Joe, but I, 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 I wouldn't be from Northern Ireland if I wasn't able to come in on the back of what Tony just said and said. Here we go. <laughs> Brexit. Oh my God! You know, it, it's, it really affects the society here in Northern Ireland in a way that I don't know that people from Scotland or England or Wales really understand. We are really affected by this, and we are on the brink of you know, uh, physical problems here, re, you know, uh, uh, community problems. We're on the brink of it. So, you know, when you hear that word, don't think it's sorted. Oh, my God, it's not sorted. We, you know, we're and we are the result of it here. And I think, Mags, it's really uh, good for you to bring this to our attention. I think we hear it in the news and your lived daily experience is connecting this. And maybe there's ways to think with you about how from our positions we might be able to support you in that. I would have a hopeful action. I have witnessed people who today, who in all of you who have uh who are managing extraordinary times who feel very responsible for themselves their work and the communities that they work with and i hear actually quite a lot of um not exhaustion but overwhelm it's a lot right people are trying to pull back and find spaces to think and i would have a hopeful action of trying to initiate somehow with people dancing <laughs> <laughs> to create spaces for retreat and withdrawal for people whose work is so invested in giving and reaching out to communities to create spaces of rest and withdrawal together without big agendas where we can come into exchange to feed ourselves and to see the ways forward. So that would be my hopeful action from having listened to you all. I would like to thank you all for your openness and generosity um, and uh, for meeting to exchange to try and find what connects us to identify and be clear about where the specific challenges are and I hope it's the beginning <laughs> of more conversations so thank you so much thank you say goodbye you're welcome thank you very much yeah